Welcome to The Stretch. I'm Dr. John Mark Harrison, lead pastor at First Baptist Concord in Knoxville, Tennessee. In this leadership podcast, I have conversations about growing as a leader and living an inspiring life. When we stretch, we grow. So let's grow. Welcome to The Stretch. So excited about our guest today. Uh, Listen to him. All right, this is Devin Driscoll. Devin is the owner of D1 here in Knoxville, and he's married to Allison. They've got one son and one daughter to be born any day now. Any minute. Any minute. That's awesome. So Devin's the guy that absolutely crushes me most mornings in the gym. So thanks for uh, how I feel right now. Absolutely. You're welcome. And you're yeah. crushing me with your, that shirt. It's blinding my eyes. So it's a win-win <laughs> for both of us. All right. So that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, Devin, thanks for, for joining us. And um, before we jump into your journey, here's what I want to ask you a couple things. Yes. I've, I've heard about this person known as Devin Devine. Uh-huh. Like, what is that about? God, he's a great guy. Uh, great father, good business owner. Uh, that was my my moniker, one of my monikers while I was a professional wrestler at WWE and then on the independent level as well. So uh, something I take great pride in. How I got the name is interesting, though. All right. So my mother's maiden name was Divine. Got it. D-E-V-I-N-E. Yeah. Okay. So my name, she took my name from her maiden name. So when I was a kid growing up, I always was thinking of different names and because I want to do this. I was like, man, I noticed a lot of wrestlers had a similar first and last name initials, like even mine, Devin Driscoll. Yeah. So I was like, man, what sounds cool? So I said that, and I thought there's a lot of double entendres of the name, but I thought it was still sounded cool yeah. until I heard it announced like, for the first time. And I was like, this is nowhere near as cool as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but, uh, but it worked. It worked, yeah. And then yeah. it kind of stuck. But then, uh, but yeah, that and my real name. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. My fifth grade going into sixth grade son is going to be lit up knowing that Devin Devine, the WWE wrestler, was on the podcast today. That's awesome. <laughs> well, look, so. There's a ton out there right now about health and man, you know, especially with this virus going on. Right. About man, you got to be got to stay healthy. Man, you got to make certain that you know get everything in check. Just from your background in fitness and and all how that you lead at D1, mm-hmm. um, tell us about what are, what are a few things you tell our folks that if they're not very active right now. What can they do to get active if they are eating terribly because you know the quarantine snacks are a real thing? Right, uh, they are. Yeah. What what would you tell them even on the nutrition side? What can we be doing to be the best in best health we can be right now? So it's really interesting. So there's this guy. I also own a D1 in, or close to your neck, Woods Hoover, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy named Dr. Lawrence Lemack down there, and he is kind of the uh, the top dog when it comes to sports physicians throughout the country. So uh, there was a bunch of us that put together this program called Return to Play, and now the NFL is using it, a version of it, the NBA, a bunch of different people. So long story short, the biggest thing we said was kind of how we're going to integrate uh, our athletes back into training, right? Because the worst thing they do is go from a sedentary lifestyle or, they're, or training really hard, sedentary, then come right back and expect to be in that same program they were prior, right? right. It's kind of like yourself. Even when you come in, like we're not jumping into what you were doing, so say come February, Right. right? So the first thing I would say is, you know, remember that when it comes to everybody's individual fitness journey, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? So understand that if you have had taken some time off, if you try to do exactly what you're doing prior, that's going to be kind of exactly what we don't want you to be doing, you know? So figure out realistic goals that you can achieve and set them with. That's why it's great to work with a coach, whether it be D1 or anywhere else. Just work with somebody that can hold you accountable, but also can set guidelines for you that are realistic goals for you to achieve, because if that's the case, you're more likely to continue to train to get better, right? Yeah. And get a better shape. So that's the first thing. 
on the nutrition side, I'm not a registered dietitian nutritionist. And I, and as we know, like I, I try to stick uh, inside our land, make sure we stay uh, with what we're certified and registered to do. With that being said, I know that our nutritionists that we have, that we work with pretty regularly, uh, are spending a lot of time and focus on people that have seen kind of that 50, the quarantine 15, as they're calling it. Uh, a lot of people are, are, you know, they're at home. They're yeah. at home more, which means they have more access to snacks and foods. And a lot of people like stocked up on food for this, right? Not right. knowing what was going to happen. I know right. we did. Oh, yeah. I think it's more fortunate at Costco. Got a lot of points, though. Um, but needless to say, um, I think the biggest thing now is is getting with, going back to whatever program you were on, and also just being conjured with what's put in your body. There's a lot of testing out now. Yeah. That is another thing that you can do um, that can test your food allergies. So it can actually test what your body's reacting and not taking in. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of our, one of our coaches realized that chicken for them was not a good thing for them to eat. They had no mm-hmm. idea. So those are really, you know, those are out there for you. But just get with somebody that can put you on a plan that's focused to your needs. Don't yeah. just cut out the carbs or cut out the fats. Like, go to someone who knows they're doing and let them kind of guide you on your path. So it's it's not just Google, what should I eat? It's get with somebody. Let so them it's you. like when I try to put something together, I can't build, you know, a box. Yeah. And so when I try to build something looking at YouTube, it's got no shot, right? <laughs> so I, I've learned from trial and error that I'm not going to go to YouTube to try to build right. something. So right. I would say there's a lot of good nutritionists in our area. We actually have a plethora of them. Um, yeah. So I would find somebody you trust in the fitness industry and, you know, ask questions of who would be a good fit for your needs and right. let them kind of take you that path. Yeah, man, that's good. And like, you already said, I mean, I think accountability is the key. I mean, mm-hmm. I know every morning if I don't show up at the gym, like I'm going to get a hateful text from you. And uh, it's all out of love. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> and, all out of love. And even at lunch today, I was sitting there and I'm like, ah, oh, what should I eat? And uh, you were even help even then. I was like, dude, should I eat this? And you were like, no. Uh, so it was a very polite no, but it was still a, a, yeah. a no. Yeah. Uh, so good stuff. Well, all right, let's talk about your faith journey. Yep. Because, man, I know that. And been on a road with the Lord, and mm-hmm. uh, I remember when we first met over a year and a half ago now, really, or about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. man, uh, the Lord gave us a kindred spirit. We were friends, maybe it was our sports background, but tell us about your faith journey with the Lord and how God's brought you to, to doing what you're doing today. You know, going back, um, I, I grew up in Catholic schools, so I went to a Catholic school from kindergarten all through college. So um, I was around uh, faith in some way. I think where I got a little bit lost on my journey was after college. Um, You know, I was living on my own in Louisville, Kentucky first, traveling with WWE, um, and we would work on Sundays. We would work on Saturdays. We worked basically every day. And so my focus was so, you know, laser focused on my career. I didn't have balance. I lost kind of my way in my faith journey. Um, and I lead a lot of my return to my faith to my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been a, a member here at the church since, and I'm going to butcher this and she's going to get mad, but I would say probably since she's like three or four, I think she got baptized. Yeah. Don't hold me to that. Yeah. Um, but it's been, I think over 25 years she's been coming here. Um, and it was a couple years ago, we made a, made a pack. We needed to get back to going to church again first. Yeah. And, um, it was before you were here, and it just felt different. I think someone said something, and I'm some of the lines of it's more than I think. I use this a lot. It's more than just a church service, right? Yeah. And so, it kind of par- parallels what I do every day in, in my career. Is like when I'm working with these young athletes, I always say it's more than just training, right? Like because when they come in there. You know, especially our high school athletes, people don't realize they've got so much more pressure on them even than we did, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're expected to accelerate their career at such a faster pace, and with that comes added stress, added pressure, even from their parents investing more money, invest more time, and they're going to expect to see an ROI to that. Yeah, They're kids, right? right? So they have issues, just like we did when we were there. So they come to me or one of our coaches, and we try to guide them down a path that we think is the right way to the best of our abilities. 
and it goes back to it's more than just a gym. Yeah. So when I came here, um, it kind of brought me, it kind of aligned me back. And then we met, we started talking, and then um, I was saved. Gosh, I want to say it was, my wife will give you the exact date. It was like last November. But I, it was just, it was a weird, I can't really put it into words. Yeah. First off, I think you know this, on a, from a comical level, I am scared to death of heights. So we talk, yeah. we're like, oh, I see people getting baptized down low the week before. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be good. Yeah. Then we get there, like, oh, I'll meet you upstairs. We like, went upstairs. You sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, hey, I'll see you. I got to do something else. I'm like, yeah. okay, bye. Yeah. Uh, so right. we go upstairs. So I am, I would rather have you hit me with your car than be up there. And so we <laughs> but go you up did there. It. And it was awesome. It was so my wife's up there. It's like, can we stay focused? And I walked up there and I didn't even think twice. Yeah. And something just switched. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, ever since then, it's kind of like I said this recently to I think it was Trevor that prior to that I think I saw everything in gray, black mm. and white mm. and now everything's color. Amen, man. So. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, mm. well look man, the, you know, I get to observe you up and close more than other folks just watching not only just your walk with the Lord grow, but really what you do on a daily basis and you said it a minute ago, it's more than a gym. I mean, this is really a calling in your life. Like how did you discover this calling, not to to run a gym in in a town, but yeah. really to invest in a generation of athletes? So I think it goes back to when I was in high school. Um, we would go to Kiwa Island in Charleston, South Carolina for the summers. And I would go and I'd play basketball, I'd play golf, I'd play whatever. I just want to yeah. do something, right? And uh, I was never one of those guys just sit on the beach and do nothing. I had to be going, going, going. And my parents, I used to love going to this camp there called Camp Kiwa. And then I aged out. I was like 15. And they're like, can't go anymore. I was like 12-year-olds. And so I applied for my first job. I was 14 years old to be a junior camp counselor. And I loved it. I loved working with the kids. And from that day forward, I just loved working with kids, whether it be coaching, training, or just being around it. So then um, when I left wrestling, uh, I was really miserable and unhappy with WWE. It just I, I thought, you know, this is my dream. I thought this is, but I always loved training. Yeah. And in college, I trained to become a wrestler. I was playing sports, but I knew this was my focus. And what happened was I started training people at school and mm. not for money or anything. I just enjoyed doing it. I did a lot of research. I studied. I got certified. I did everything I could to learn how to train for myself. Yeah. Then I started applying it to others. And then I also started realizing all these people were like, hey, can we work out? And I had like 12 guys working out with me. And I'm like, that's great. But like, I was realizing I wasn't working out anymore. <laughs> and so, but I was like, oh, this is something I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Fast forward, leave WWE. I'm like, what am I going to do now? And so um, I actually was going to be a basketball coach. I had got offered a job to coach basketball. I was like, man, I was like, that'd be cool. But my passion was I was reading coaching books. I was like, but I still was training a lot. And I got started getting job offers for running gyms. I have no experience in running a gym. I had a background in business, yeah. but not in the gym business. Right. Uh, and I took the lowest paying uh, non-salary job <laughs> because it gave me a chance to kind of try things. Right. And I started then right after that, I started my business and I realized I didn't want to train uh, me personally, didn't want to train um, general pop. I wanted to train young athletes, help reach their goals. Um, and so I just started in my apartment complex's backyard in the basketball court with a med ball and a couple of hurdles. And now we're the number one D one in the country uh, yeah. to revenue. And it was just, it was just something It just kind of evolved. And, uh, now I look at it, like you said, more than just a, I don't look at it as a job. I don't look, wake up and say, I'm going to work. Now there's certain aspects that just like your yeah. profession that yeah. aren't what you signed up for. And that's part right. of the gig. Right. Right. But, um, but overall, like seeing kids on National Sign Day sign the letter of intent or seeing kids reach further goals than they ever could imagine, that's the rewarding part of it. Yeah, that's neat. You know, you, you walk in there, the doors at, at D1 in, in Hardin Valley, and in the 
pictures are all over the wall of kids playing collegiate sports. I mean, it's an inspiring place from the moment you walk in, that big turf field and all right. that. And, and it really is something that's more than just, hey, I'm coming here to train. Like you can, from the moment you walk in the door, you feel it like this is, man, people are aspiring for something here. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you've done an incredible job of creating that environment. And so what are some things that you tell us because you create that environment and, and what's interesting is it's really for those that have not yet accomplished their goals for the high school kid and even the middle school kid. And mm-hmm. the, even you've got some elementary school kids yeah. that have big dreams that are in there wanting to pursue the future. Right. Like, what do you think teenagers are looking for today? Like, how are you, what are some things you're doing to mentor and, and kind of call out and call up those guys and gals that you're, that you're working with on a daily basis? You know, Every kid's different, first off. So I think the biggest thing is, like, I almost would compare it to a workout. Like, sorry, I'm getting used to my eye watch. Um, (laughs) I think that the biggest thing was when a kid walks in, we do an evaluation for him, right? Say, hey, where are you deficient? Like, and I'm going to use a kid named Caden Buckles uh, as an example. I've known Caden since he was seven years old. Trained his brother, trained his father, his sister worked there. uh, Very close friends. Caden's come in. I saw him. He's a little awkward eight-year-old. You know, yeah. his good arm, and now he's an incredible quarterback. He went through a really trying time in the last two years. Um, some personal stuff and some, you know, sports-related stuff that he's been able to pursue through and, and persevere. Yeah. But biggest thing is, I think sometimes as a as a coach trainer, everybody wants to speak and give advice. Sometimes there's a lot of attitude being just to listen. Mm-hmm. Just. Just let them talk yeah. because so rarely are, if you think about it, kids are very rarely just allowed to talk at practice, at games, at home, in class, in school. They're talked to. They're told what to do or how to do something or where to be. Yeah. Very rarely do they just get the chances to talk to you and you right. just be a sounding board, you know? Yeah. And then sometimes they'll figure it out themselves just by a, a wince or a smile or a look. And, they, and they're like learning as they go. Um, my son's five. And he wants to make the rules already. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, buddy. Right? right? But he just likes to be in, he wants to feel like something's his. So that's the biggest thing I'm seeing with him. It's the same thing. Yeah. So with, I think our athletes, the biggest thing I tell our coaches is, is always be open to listen and always be open to just let an athlete dish, is what I call it. Like, let him just talk to you because they're probably going to tell you the problem. And that's your role to help not fix it, but help guide them to a way to solve a problem. Right. So, you know, in, in what we do at the church, when we talk about discipling someone in that you build a relationship, you listen, you hear, like you tell them the truth of Scripture. And what I observe is, man, you disciple a lot of teenagers. And that's why I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God in you, because you're discipling them towards Christ just by the way you're investing in their life and build that relationship. And, and it all comes from that willingness to listen. Yeah. So that's amazing, man. I, I think you do a great, great job at that. So a, a couple other questions. Let's, let's think about a couple other things. Um, Obviously, you've been very successful in business and are a successful leader in our community. What are some attributes you think that in today's world it takes? Like, what are some things that you see in all successful leaders that you think if somebody's aspiring to be a leader in a community, like these attributes need to be a part of your life? So, what, what are you seeing out there? I think the number one thing uh, so, we had a conference call today with all the D1 franchisees. And they're all talking about coming back from COVID, right? Like they're all kind of, some of the ones are just opening, some haven't, like they're nervous about like, hey, do I do this? Do I do this? Do I not do this? Right. And I'm like, my biggest thing is guys, the first thing you do is just outwork everybody. Like Mm -hmm. be the first, the old adage, first in, last out. That's great and all, don't get me wrong. But our job isn't 
start and end when you walk in the building, you leave. Like, and that's an issue I deal with. I probably overdo that. Like sometimes I need to be present more, especially at home. But you know, the biggest thing I think for some of these successful businesses, you know, they need to realize that they need to outwork themselves. And what I mean by that is so many people are worried about the competitors, right? So many people in our, in our field, especially is there a competitive marketplace? Oh, what's this person? What's, I don't care. I have no clue what our competitors are doing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you. And yeah. nor do I care. Because I look at it as I got 24 hours a day and I'm going to keep it focused on our guys. As I always yeah. say, our guys, right? Right. Um, so for I think the people that are successful, I mean, you can have knowledge of what other people are doing. That's probably good. But just focus on staying in your lane and doing what you got to do to build your brand. And just you got to be a grinder. Yeah. I think that's one thing. The second thing is I think when people are distracted, they lose. So mm-hmm. I think keeping focus on what one thing and doing it really well. And then when you feel like you have a chance to move on to the next thing and grow, it's one thing. But when you try to put 50 things on your plate yeah. and not stay focused is when the brand will, will hurt. I And I'm saying this because I did that. At mm-hmm. one point I was trying to juggle growing my business and still wrestling part-time. And there's no way I could do it. I was trying, yeah. but it was taking focus off on the other. So I was like, you know what? I need to, re- if I'm going to tell these people this, I need, I need to live by what I say. Yeah. Kind of like discipleship, right? right? I need to live what I'm preaching or you need to live what you're mm-hmm. preaching. And so I think by being, contributing all those things together has what's made, you know, D1 successful um, and making everybody around us successful. That's great, man. Well, bro, you've got such an inspiring story for us to learn from. So thanks for sharing. I've got one last question for today. All right, here it is. The big, the big finisher here, right? Okay. Uh, Last question, man, we do all this. We do. Uh All right. I mean, we live our lives. We be the best leaders we can be. We practice, we build our business. We do all this stuff. What would you say at the end of the day? You're like, all right, this is the legacy that I want to carve out. Like, this is what I'm hoping to leave Ryder. This is what I'm hoping to leave my future children. Like, like this is what the legacy that God is, the dream that God's put in my heart to be able to leave. What, what would you say that is? You know, I've never thought about it till right now, if we're being completely honest. Um, I think when we're discussing stuff, I, you know, this has come up before briefly, but I've never really thought about it. Going completely off the cuff, um, I want to think the legacy I would leave is somebody that woke up, worked hard for their family, tried to be a good role model for their athletes, for their children, for their wife, and then also was a good husband and father. Um, Because in the day, like my wife, I don't know how she does it. I mean, I I think she deserves a medal. If they gave medals, she needs one. Okay, but uh, but I, you know, it's it's a wrestler told me this once, named Rob Conway. He said, uh, in a marriage, you can have one that's the dreamer and you can have one that's the rock. Yeah. And those are the ones that win. Yeah. And I think if I could leave anything, it's like I try to, you know, push a, a generation of dreamers. Um, but I've only been able to do so because I've had my rock. Yeah. You know, so that's awesome. That's what I would say. Man, that's a good word. Well, thanks for your time today. It's, I know it's a, a busy day, always is a busy mm-hmm. day. And this has been The Stretch. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Thank you for joining us for the Stretch Leadership Podcast with Dr. John Mark Harrison. Tune in here each Thursday for new and inspiring content and every Sunday on our YouTube page at FB Concord for worship at 9 and 11 Eastern Time. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for listening.